Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I was thinking of starting this whole episode with um, Burn the Witch. I just thought, oh, what a great opener for a podcast. Do it. And an album. Do it. What do you reckon? Yeah. Welcome to episode four of Excuse the Mess featuring Robert Ames. I must warn you, it's another epic episode, but stick with it, it's a good one. Rob is probably best known as the co-artistic director, co-principal conductor and violist of the London Contemporary Orchestra, basically my favourite ensemble of all time, so I'm very excited to have him on as a guest. Rob started the LCO with Hugh Brunt ten years ago, and it quickly gained a reputation as a collective of young, passionate musicians that were eager to explore new ways of presenting contemporary music to an audience that were not only hungry for what the LCO had to offer, but starving. Very early on, they gained the recognition of some big names, in particular Johnny Greenwood, who's been working with them ever since, getting the LCO involved with a number of his film scores, including his recent scores for Phantom Thread and You Were Never Really Here. You're going to hear all about that and much more, including their work with Radiohead on a moon-shaped pool, their upcoming album release, a collaboration with the brilliant electronic artist Actress, which is being released by Ninja Tune on the 25th of May, their collaboration with Spitfire Audio and their infiltration of the film music world. Rob also talks about the fertile composition ground in London and the young composers that they're commissioning at the moment, as well as speaking quite openly about some of the issues he sees in the music world. You're going to hear a huge variety of music in this episode due to the extensive list of collaborators associated with the LCO, but we're barely going to scratch the surface in this one hour and 15 minutes. For those of you who are new to Excuse the Mess, in a nutshell, it's a music podcast where I spend a day with a different music maker and we just chat about all things music. 
You'll hear snippets of the projects they're involved with and in the same day we'll attempt to write a piece together using only the instrument that they bring along. It's created and hosted by me, Ben Corrigan, with the support of Arts Council England, PRS Foundation and a new supporter, the We Are Noted Fellowship. This fellowship was created to help develop projects that aim to take a fresh look at the music world, particularly classical. And what better person to have on as a guest than Rob, someone who is transforming the way we engage with music, both old and new, in bold and innovative ways. Apologies for talking over Radiohead, please forgive me. Anyways, here we go, episode four with Robert Ames. Radiohead out of the way. Yeah. So what do people want to know? Burn the Witch. What a great track. It is, it is an awesome track. The amazing thing about working with Johnny Greenwood, who's our main collaborator out of those guys, is that he just writes ridiculously good music. And our involvement in the process is pretty much going to a studio and playing the music that he presents to us and absolutely loving every minute of it yeah uh, so burn the witch that a uh, super iconic sound for me is um yeah just guitar petrums yeah. on string instruments which is um yeah simple things to do but it's brilliant it sounds so good it i remember you telling me that um all the so burn the witch came out and then like classic fm and whatnot all kind of jumped on the bandwagon and were like they're using Colenio uh, to get yeah, that sound. It's exactly like, wrong. very, very wrong. Yeah. 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 It's because it's just so out of the ordinary, they can't even comprehend. Mm. That's yeah. the topic. Yeah, I do get a few uh, funny articles like from traditional press trying to explain like what yeah. the different sounds in the album were. <laughs> That's really funny, just getting it so wrong. All wrong. But yeah, the, the whole process for that album was really, really, really enjoyable and actually a lot quicker than you'd expect it to be. A couple of days recording in London and, um, yeah, everything was ready to go. We were presented with these brilliant parts yeah. and this great music and we recorded it. And the guys were all there in the studio listening and then, yeah, got through it. What's the atmosphere like? Did it feel experience. like a really special record that you were making? You're all over it. What's the atmosphere like? I don't know, like, LCO recording atmosphere is generally, like, super positive... Yeah. and like open-minded as well so it was a kind of like a standard LCO vibe and because we've recorded with Johnny quite a bit it didn't feel different um, from that but it was um, yeah it, it was really cool and yeah and, and Tom York was vocal as well and like involved in the process but um, does he come in and pass comment change things up yeah definitely so yeah there, there, there are things that he'll change or try to push the sound and yeah we try and give as much as we can it's probably a while ago now but can you think of any specific examples in any of the tracks I uh, probably can't think of specific tracks but um, there's a seagull sound in one of the tracks and that's like we experimented with downwards harmonics oh. and stuff like that 
That's at the end of the track, I think. Yeah, but that wasn't working. So in the end, in the end, I think they got us. Oh, I can't remember. Maybe to record some upwards glisses and then recorded it on tape, slowed it down and reversed it, cool, or something like that. This is the very end of full stop. Daydreaming has that awesome string thing at the end. Yeah. What's the processing on that? Do you know? I think that's. Um, there's some snore tone there. What like, do you mean by snore tone? Um, Here we go. Yes, this is what we like. There's a bit of this. Like, That's Rob bowing the tailpiece on his viola. And then I think it's just kind of like low cello, maybe backwards again. Yeah. Because it goes, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's like it. It's got that great interaction with uh, Tom's voice, which is obviously messed about with a lot. Yeah. talk about Radiohead all day and we'll come back to Johnny later yeah because there's a lot to talk about with Johnny so I don't know we'll break it up really, we won't go Radiohead straight into Johnny I don't know what else I can tell you about Radiohead really just that it's great those sessions I have them quite a long time ago and they're quite private guys so like some of the joy is the mystique of what happens in those sessions and, but um yeah one last Radiohead snippet for you. This is a glorious bit of string writing on Glass Eyes. So, LCO, 10 years old this year. Are you doing anything special for it? No. <laughs> That's great. No. <laughs> Typical LCO style. Because it's quite a self-irreverent thing to do. It is. Celebrate. We're not a human. We're just like an institution that tries to put on cool stuff. Yeah. We don't want to celebrate our stuff ourselves. Like, we want to celebrate this cool stuff that yeah. we put on. We're doing some big concerts this year. What are we doing? Like our show at the Barbican in October is big, massive orchestra, two gigantic pieces. John Luther Adams and um, Chelsea. Chelsea. Yeah. Um, still can't pronounce his first name. Well, let's avoid that. But yeah, we've yeah. commissioned some incredible visuals for it. Oh, 
Um, and it's going to be projected on a kind of porous gauze that's going to be like oh, super tight and right from the ceiling all the way down to the bottom of the stage. So right. like the whole orchestra would be boxed in behind this Lovely. thing and like swimming in. Amazing. Yeah, because doing Become be Ocean, right? Yeah. What piece? And it's never been performed in London. Is it not? It's, it's just ridiculous. You're listening to a snippet of John Luther Adams' Become Ocean. So that is, I mean, that is a classic example. Why has that piece not been done in London? It's yeah. not even, it's like, it's not even new. It's so weird. In popular co- uh, culture for a bit as well. I forget who, who was it? It was commissioned by the Southwell Symphony Orchestra. It was a really famous pop star that absolutely loved it. And because she loved it so much, she donated like a shit ton of money to um, the Seattle Symphony Orchestra. Oh, I can't remember who it was. How big's the orchestra? <laughs> Seventy, eighty, big. It's like big, big, big symphony. Yeah, but it's gorgeous. It's like quite a universal piece. It's not. It's obviously like super high art, beautifully crafted. But it's not. You don't have to sit down and have a lecture before no. listening to it to understand it. It's it's really textural, um, thick. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah, and there, there are loads of layers. Like you can go, you can go deep. Yeah. into it or you can just have it wash over you or there are many ways to experience it. It's a great piece. There's so much good music by him. Taylor Swift. After hearing the recording of Become Ocean, Taylor Swift donated 50k to the Seattle Symphony. <laughs> I, love, I, love I reckon it's, that's a PR move. It's got to be. I don't know. Maybe she just genuine. loved it. I just think it's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> cracked me up when I read that. Good on you, Taylor. Yeah. Here's just a tiny extract of Mika Levy's string quartet, You Belong to Me, performed by the LCO Live. LCO. We mentioned earlier, mm. ten years old this year. Um, not not doing any birthday bash, but that's all right. What was the sort of thinking behind it when you and Hugh Brunt started off as Academy friends, right? Royal Academy. My he was in Oxford. We met. Oh, was he? We met National Youth Orchestra. Oh, did you? Band camp. <laughs> um, when we were seventeen. 18 and right. yeah he went to Oxford and I went to Royal Academy of Music and we stayed in touch I think we both got into contemporary music through our studying okay. days and yeah we, so when you first met you weren't particularly drawn to it no 
What was I listening to when I was 18? A lot of Berlius. Were you? <laughs> yeah, great. <laughs> Berlius and Square Pusher. What, what amazing blend. There's an Arts Council application right there. Yeah. I think it's just Centenary. Yeah. Square Pushers. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it wasn't immediate. Well, you stayed yeah. in touch. Well, we so stayed in touch. Because um, what, why? What was it about? We just, just were mates. We just got on. Just pals, all right. Yeah, um, I think we were getting annoyed how contemporary music was being treated in classical programmes. For example, a proms programme of... Or a typical programme that you might have seen would be an overture... Mendelssohn Violin Concerto, a new commission hidden away, and then like Beethoven 9 or something. Almost as if it's like something you have to do to tick a funding box yeah. or something you have to do as part of your mission statement, but yeah. you're a bit embarrassed of it, so you surround it by, yeah. you know, Classic FM's greatest hits. And it's just really frustrating. Yeah. And of course, there's like the London Sinfonietta and Birmingham Contemporary Music Group and countless more smaller groups performing contemporary music but there was no like symphony orchestra exploring purely new music so yeah we like the idea of giving the people the opportunity to hear that kind of music in a context where it's surrounded by other new music in interesting venues um yeah that's that that was a kind of the main the main thing behind it it's almost like they don't trust their audience to be engaged enough with the, the new music. So what you've done is given this audience, which is huge, actually, uh, your, sell, your shows sell out pretty much every time. Yeah, it's um, good. good um, proof that there is an audience out there that want what the LCO uh, are offering. I think a younger generation of listeners, like the way, the way they listen is like streaming-based listening on Spotify, on iTunes, you know, just going on to listen to something and then getting a suggestion of something else and then yeah. listening to that and just then going in big circles Maybe around more genres. adventurous, yeah. Wandering around, yeah. just trying stuff out. Yeah, I think it is I think it is more like adventurous listening. And also, at the moment, it's a really good time for live, live shows as well. It just seems that everybody, everybody yeah. really wants to go out for a show so it's a combination of those things your audience is quite interesting it's such a mix of people uh, the age range is broad yeah I saw Jon Snow at your whopping power station big time Jon Snow big fan he is isn't he <laughs> <laughs> who else do we get Robert Pattinson he comes to quite does a few. he really <laughs> yeah go on who else do you get Man, this See, is, this is so, Twilight this is so lame I love it Twilight Channel um, 4 News who's the dude IT crowd. Oh, Richard Iwadi. I saw him at the Phantom <laughs> Thread thing. He, he comes, sat just he comes to another show. I've got his book just there. Yeah, he's a ledge, yeah. isn't he? Man. Yeah, we do get Does some really? we do get some random people like that to come. Oh. Well, actually, at that Phantom Thread thing, it was like um, star spotting. Just a bit of context here. Uh, LCO performed live the Phantom Thread film. It's European premiere. Yeah, of the whole film. Yeah. The whole film, which was amazing. And star spotting wise, I was waiting to go in and I saw Danny Elfman. And then I saw Adam Buxton, who nice. I absolutely adore. Uh, podcast, podcast love. Yeah, the podcast king. Uh, Richard Iwadi, 
and then Nigel Godrich, I think I saw some, someone else and I was like, this Lovely. is great, well done. I was there. Yeah. <laughs> Lol. Um, you were there. The most impressive thing about your performance is that you didn't sit down once for the whole thing and you were conducting. Not once. Not once, Rob. Actually, did it in LA and we had a dress rehearsal. Yeah. A seven o'clock performance and a midnight performance. Shit. And I didn't sit down once. Man. All three of those. And, and when I got to the end, I felt like a 90-year-old man <laughs> whose knees were just ready to give up on everything. Here's a piece from the score of Phantom Thread called House of Woodcock. They're difficult shows to do, and not enough thought are put into them. I okay, so how do you mean? Like film show, I think they can, a lot of the time, they're just rubbish, actually. Yeah. Because it's just frustrating, like, the lighting's not good, so the film is not as clean and yeah. crisp as it usually is, because you're mixing an orchestra with the sound mm. of the film, and it's in stereo, the sound is of, like, a lot of the time it's not as crisp as it should be. Yeah. A lot of the time you lose the dialogue, and it's, mm-hmm. it's a bit muffly and woofly and it's just yeah. really frustrating a lot of the time the orchestra is slightly restricting the screen as well they're yeah, using stand lights that are pointing towards the audience like little yeah. things that aren't thought about enough yeah it's true but it's a fairly new thing it hasn't been done that it's much a, and if it, it's a fairly new thing it's something that the LCO have picked up on and done quite a bit of so you, you're getting yeah. a bit of experience of how it's, best to do it it's a super in vogue thing to do though I mean yeah. we love doing it but I, for a lot of the films where it is done I just don't see the added value to it being done. You know, the scores that are a bit kind of crash-bang wallop and yeah. it's not really there to elevate in a certain way, but not it's, in a particularly it's interesting a no- way. a novelty thing for the audience. Like, yeah, it's, it's almost like, what, it's is it, what do the audience expect and want? Mark Commode um, came on with Paul Thomas Anderson and Johnny just before mm. the South Bank performance. And uh, he asked Johnny, why do you think having a live orchestra is interesting or different, I think roughly that's what he said. Yeah, but what did why he do you say? What, well, he said something like, because it can go wrong. Because it can go wrong. to me and everybody laughed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think something yeah. like that. Great. No pressure. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was great. Same question to you, really. Well, no, that's the thing, because, so that was without click track. Mm. So there's actually space for the music to live and breathe and be slightly different and be... Yeah one-off performance that it's only for that room for yeah. that time for the atmosphere that was in the room at that time yeah um, and I love that yeah because that yeah. is something different but I do like the idea of a child going to see Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone live with orchestra and that being their first exposure to like a large symphonic yeah. orchestra making beautiful big noise and being excited by that it's a good way in isn't it actually a lot of people wouldn't go and pay for a ticket to see an orchestra but they will if it's with their favourite film yeah Um, actually that's an awesome score which one's a really good one Prisoner of Azkaban is that particularly good was that John Williams he did like I think that's the last one he did right and it's cracking yeah Yeah, it's wicked I think that's the last one he did are you a big Harry Potter fan no why are you wearing your Harry Potter t-shirt? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I do quite like Harry Potter.
the main theme from Phantom Thread, version 3. <laughs> Tell you what, do one of these. Do an aleatoric interview. This is Rob just dipping into the aleatoric hat filled with loads of random topics. This could be shit. Spitfire. Spitfire. That's a good one. Spit- explain who Spitfire are. Spitfire Spitfire Audio. You explain what they are. You, you, uh, you're, you, you're here to talk. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Spitfire, Spitfire Audio create sample libraries of instruments and combinations of instruments to aid composers in composing and to help people score stuff and demo stuff and actually just make music yeah very often like mostly used in film music tv music i would say the biggest market for their users are because those people need to make really good mock-ups to sell an idea to a a director and producers right and so you got involved probably like two or three years ago now, something like that. Something like that, yeah. And did um, Spitfire London Contemporary Orchestra strings. And why did they approach you? It's actually Joe Rubel said to us that it could be a cool thing to do something with them. And um, I think we, LCO, occupy a place in recording, in the recording world where we do a certain type of sound not restricted to one sound we're influenced by the live contemporary work that we do so mm. we're kind of exploring new sounds and trying to push yeah certain vibes forward and, and stuff like that so yeah we spent yeah. to spitfire and it seemed like a good thing to do uh, around the same time we were recording alien covenant with jed Kurzel, who we work with a lot and we were really excited by the idea that he would have access to a lot of the sounds that he's brought to us and a lot of the sounds that we've developed with him that don't exist in electronic form. So the idea that he could help explain to a director what a combination of a violinist strumming their strings with a plectrum. And I'm mocking this up as Rob speaks with the LCO samples. Combined with somebody playing the viola in a circular motion combined with somebody playing extreme sulpont combined with a double bass player playing their tailpiece yeah like if you try to explain that to yeah. the director and just at the end say oh no trust me it's yeah. going to sound really cool yeah. they'll probably be like can you imagine demoing that on a piano yes yeah, like john williams so, demoing that yeah. to spielberg so it's this uh, but it's, it's really cool yeah um yeah it's just not going to go down well so yeah. the idea of giving like Jed, that the ability to go and use those sounds was yeah. really was really exciting for us. This is the Med Bay from Jed Kurzel's Alien Covenant soundtrack. That kind of two-note motif you're hearing, Rob told me, was uh, it's actually reversed viola. I thought it was a synth for ages.
there's a lot of stuff online about the LCO saying that you're kind of ch changing and shifting the film music world and maybe it's partly due because now composers have these tools where they can sell an idea like that and partly because of the people you're working with like Johnny or uh, Mika or uh, Jed going from a different world that isn't yeah. film music coming into that world with yeah. new, like, fresh ideas and sort of bringing you along with them and yeah and a lot of our musicians as well I think I just think the, um, yeah we've got just inc this incredible pool of open-minded musicians that we work yeah. with that are when I'm conducting LCO for example and I ask somebody to make some kind of extreme sound that would normally make a classical musician wince yeah instead of wincing and saying it's not possible they make the sound and then say but actually you can even do this much more yeah and that in an ideal world that's what it'd be like all the time but yeah. it's just not so it's yeah a special special recording it's, environment it's really cool so like you've obviously handpicked all the musicians that you work with yeah me and Hugh uh, built it up over time and it's a lot of people we're still playing with that we started out with right. in 2008 but um, we're always looking for new people yeah and we want to keep it young mm. um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> which, which does bring up the question when me and Hugh have when? to sack ourselves <laughs> I think <laughs> I think when we started the orchestra we were like we're going to sack ourselves when we're 35 <laughs> now I'm 32 and I'm like Here's a tasty little string moment from Frank Ocean's album Blonde on a track called Siegfried. Johnny Green would arrange the strings, LCO played them. funny when you see some press release about say Frank Ocean's album normally it'd be like Johnny Greenwood wrote strings for this album but actually it's Johnny Greenwood wrote strings for the LCO for this album which is quite an interesting place to be as an orchestra or as a kind of a, a music yeah. institution because you're an art, like a voice so you've got your individual voice yeah it's really nice and I think that may have came from we don't we don't say yes to like every piece of recording work that comes our way yeah so many like we're in london there are awesome session groups here but we we're a charity and like our charitable objectives are around finding new audiences growing audience and getting the music we love out to big mm. audiences so our recording activity is 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 part of that so we yeah. record a lot of the time the kind of music that we love um, the kind of music that reaches the kind of audience that might come to our live shows. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's that's the vibe. That's the kind of thing that we've tried to cultivate. I've worked with you guys, um, with Danny Mulhern in the studio, 
Yeah. A couple of years ago, he started making some EPs, and then there was a film called The Dead Sea, and uh, an album came out from that, Reflections on the Dead Sea. So there's some cool stuff on there which features all of you guys. There's a really cool Ollie Coates, um, just like a one-minute track, yeah. which is very dirty, gritty, just bowing on one note, which is great. And It's funny, like, the LCO, give them one note. And you've got yourself a great piece. Yeah, well, man. Yeah, there's yeah, there's players in LCO like Ollie and Gallia that just yeah do yeah. special things. Yeah, there's yeah, it's a great interaction in the studio. I mean, you come into the control room or something, you'd be like, let's try it like this, and it's like a great idea, let's do that. And yeah. there's dialogue, and you're throwing ideas, and it kind of makes makes a piece come together. This is clandestine from Danny Mulhern's Reflections on a Dead Sea. And it features the cellist Ollie Coates making a lovely growly sound. And another but, film, right, that's about to be released called... Yes, What They Had. Which, which looks awesome. Yeah, it's and a sounds really beautiful. amazing film. He's and done another, an amazing score, yeah. And another EP? He's got another EP, yeah, he's been fairly prolific re- releases. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> he's just yeah. slamming it. Um, we've done like, like so much recording with him, it's just built up a catalogue. Exactly. That's why I love that. Yeah. I love that. And here's the opening cue from Danny's score for the film What They Had. Um, we could talk to you about like venues and the way that you approach mm. venues and using the space. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah we, we, we love different spaces and curating the specific spaces in mind. So even if yeah. that is the Royal Festival Hall yeah. or the Barbican or Printworks or Oval Space or mm. Wapping Power Station, we always try and think of it as a curatorial experience. And one of the most exciting things for me what we do is commission pieces for spaces. Did something in Aldwych Underground Station where Gregor Riddle wrote a piece for a, an abandoned lift shaft that he worked out. Certain tones resonated for a longer period of times than others. Wow. It's a wicked piece, actually. Yeah. We commissioned Ed Finnis to... So we did one performance that started on Primrose Hill and ended in the Roundhouse. And Ed Finnis wrote a electronic piece for headphones that took into account the ambient space, the ambient sound, and the journey from Primrose Hill to the Roundhouse at that time, on that day, the average ambient noise and how the electronic piece would work with that for everybody walking. And so, yeah, played a piece of Claude Vivier about the setting sun Uh on Primrose Hill as the sun set, 
then right. it went straight into Ed's piece. Everybody put their headphones so in, walked headphones. down to the roundhouse, and then as Ed's piece finished, this massive piece of Stockhausen started in the roundhouse, and they That's yeah they funny. were blend stuff like that. Yeah. It's just it's a load of fun programming like that, and people people love like being taken on a journey. That's what great films do. That's what great exhibitions do. Not so much what classical programming does. I would argue a lot of classical programming is academic. It's like what are we going to put together? Mm. We're going to put together yeah like some Debussy and some Ravel because it's you know impressionist vibe with, yeah. with something else with something else because like they were written five decades apart but that composer had the same teacher as that composer mm. and who gives a shit yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like who actually cares if you're going to read the program note beforehand and you might be like oh yeah I, I hear that how he structures the <laughs> harmony is very yeah. similar to this other person that had the same teacher yeah. it's like nobody gives a shit yeah. and um that's the other thing I hate programs I think I read that <laughs> oh, really? yeah you're like because really? uh, I've been to LCO shows and you, oh. there's a small sheet which tells you who the players are yeah. and the names of the pieces and the composer yeah. and that's it absolute pits yeah. program notes <laughs> yeah. sorry so really what right I said book. you're just lazy it's like I'm going to tell you I'm going to tell you exactly what I think a piece of music is before you listen to it why you're going to do that it's <laughs> the worst thing and also like program notes and programs I don't know if you've ever been to a concert like mm. where a piece has got like really intense and emotional then yeah. all of a sudden if you sit at the back of the concert yeah. you see it all of a sudden <laughs> everybody because they they don't want to interact with the music at that point like they hide behind the program <laughs> I see it's that weird, I see right? that I see that it's, all the time <laughs> yeah it's such a strange barrier isn't it anyway but spaces the Six. way we program we find the space and then let that inform the pieces right I think that's an amazing way to do it and it's a fun way to do it, it it'll but take way, you interesting yeah. places won't it yeah yeah it does new ideas it do, yeah it's a really nice way of programming that was the thing that was super in vogue and probably still is as well as like taking classical mm. classical out of, the, <laughs> out of the concert hall. yeah and the problem is with that is you play a Haydn quartet in an underground tunnel yeah that has a railway line above it and everybody's just getting annoyed because they can't hear the piece properly like Haydn needs to be in the Wigmore Hall with a great acoustic and that's how it's best experienced Steve Reich's different trains perform that outside at a train station amped up to the max mm. with trains yeah. running on either side which we did that's fine because it makes sense for the piece it's brilliant that there were trains moving around I didn't go to that one yeah it was really good fun yeah <laughs> it was really good fun awesome and did Reich uh, did he yeah he mixed do... he mixed it was he mixing it and it was the first yeah. it was the first outside concert he's ever done oh really yeah so what, what, what did he think, what did he the make first of it outside concert he mixed I think he loved it he yeah. seemed super happy awesome but it, it was it was amazing there was one point in the piece these trains both came in either direction of the audience like whoa, whoa. And the piece was happening with these incredible Bill Morrison um, visuals, yeah. and um, and we recorded the the quartet parts as well. So for the first time, I believe, because mm -hmm. we recorded so it could be performed in surround sound. Oh, so I think it was the first surround sound performance. Brilliant. Yeah. 
This is Steve Reich's iconic Different Trains, if you haven't already worked that out, taken from the LCO's live performance at Edgehill Station in Liverpool. That's amazing you get to work with all these music legends. So, yeah man, Holy um, Trinity, almost there. Got Steve Wright, Terry Riley, and Phil Glass next year. We are playing the European premiere of his new symphony with two other, the, it's the complete trilogy of the David Bowie symphonies. Brilliant man, it's amazing like how the LCO has just gone from leaps and bounds and yeah, it's you nice. can literally work with whoever you like in a that way, a, I mean it's yeah, a bit of a challenge. Yeah, came to us and asked us to do that. It's and amazing. It's amazing. I do it's really get, exciting. Sometimes I get calls that just make me unbelievably happy, it's like, <laughs> that one was one, it's like, do you want to do this premiere of this piece? It's amazing. Like, man. Yeah. <laughs> Chris Sharp called us and asked us to do MC at the Barbican with Terry and I was like yeah and Terry Riley was there you, playing with that? you so, right yeah I want to do that yeah. <laughs> of course yeah, of course like, yeah that was that was a fun show yeah we it was wanted, a fun show we just wanted to make it really raucous it was <laughs> this is really confusing got like from like purist Riley fans yeah it got like quite a lot of negative pushback because okay. it was quite like loud and raucous <laughs> but that doesn't really match up with the fact that he was like they're doing it doing instigating it. yeah <laughs> it's like so you're pushing back against yeah. the man himself who's instigating it because That's... you're a purist fan of him yeah <laughs> <laughs> it was really funny it was really funny it's like he's performing and yeah. like controlling the sound he's not like a passenger he wrote no. the piece yeah exactly <laughs> um, he's yeah. not in the audience it's shaking really his head wrong 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 yeah he wants that he's piece there. to be like wildly different every yeah. time and be performed that's the point of the piece yeah right? there's no recording of the LCO performing in C but that's not a problem because there's so many different interpretations of it which are all brilliant and different and that's the point of the piece really um, this is Africa Express doing their interpretation also add that with each episode of Excuse the Mess I make a playlist of all the music that's featured in the episode so you can listen to everything in full without me gabbing over the top of it so go to the ETM website is one way to find it or follow it follow ETM on Spotify this one is promising to be a cracker of a playlist head over to Hulu this March where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. 
So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay, better late than never. We've got to the part of the podcast where the guest and I will attempt to write a piece of music together. Rob is a viola player, he's brought his viola, and we start off like we normally start off, clueless. Oh, cool, you're going to give me some reverb to feel nice. Yes, a Plenty. Pocket reverb. Yeah. Mysterious, isn't it? It is. Should we go for something a bit more upbeat? Let's get it down and we don't have to use it. <laughs> What sort of mood are you in? Ooh. So, I'll just hit record and then... As this episode is going to be a long one, I'm going to race through all the ideas and hopefully you find it coherent enough to understand what's gone into the piece. Okay, cool. Got loads. Uh, right then. Do you want to do some the textural bowing that you were just doing at the end? Yeah. Yep. some dry. Dirtier bow? Pardon? Crunchier, dirtier yeah. bow? Get something pure. Hmm. Do um, open C and then have some sort of gliss on the G string, sort of moving around. Go maybe go from very high to very low. Next up, we wanted to get a percussive layer, which is muting the strings with the left hand, striking them with the right, so you get like this pitchless percussive chop. But we do come back to this and re-record it later. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. Very groovy. That's great stuff. Could you uh, pits? Bunch of random pitches. Do you want them to be long pitches, short pitches, random um, pitches? Well, could you do just really random highs, lows, da -da -da, loads of different pits, just really random, one on each? 
One on each beat. One on each beat. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's, that's gonna sound really cool. Chop those up. Right, should we look at some of this stuff? Yeah. If you've got any more layers you want to throw uh, at it? Let's not do for it. now, anyway. Not for a new, I might just do that. Mess about with that. Pits. Check this out, I love this. What do you think of that? Yeah, nice. Splash a load of reverb on it and wax some, um, and put some flange on it. Put a flange? Of course we can. Yes. That's pretty cool. It's kind of groovy. Can you somehow fit that so it goes at a rate of... Or maybe go down your is it? Yeah, sort of in a place. Can I have the semi-quaver version with the... Do it? Do it? Yes, I don't know. Those drones that we did... Yeah. Could I hear it with like a bit of chorus effect on it? Yeah. Thanks, Mika. <laughs> can I have like a. a, a, a you, you can. On here. Rob got very excited with my Novation launch pad and he was desperate to release his inner digital drummer. I mean, we're not allowed to use the drums. If you want percussive, we're going to have to build it with the viola, which is part of the fun. Is that the roll? Yeah, mate. So. That's the bloody rule. That's rubbish! <laughs> we can make a What's better it? sounding drum kit. Right. Yeah. Hi hat. Enjoy it whilst that's. Yeah. I like messing with I'm a big fan of rough, rough stuff. Yeah. Right, if we get really close and pitch that, that's our kick. And we take that and lay a few of those to make a snare. Okay. Yeah. Right. It'd be great to do that with the instrument. It always ends up being slightly more interesting if you do it with weird methods. Play what we've got so far. <laughs> we need to talk about the actress process because I am just curious if it's anything like this or you know. It's a fun process. We um it's quite a long process actually. We just met early on and we're big fans of his music, like the production level, his attention to detail in sound, yeah. layers, textures. Very textural. Super like 
deep layers of stuff. Yeah. And we just thought it'd be really exciting to see if we gave him a palette of orchestral colours, like how he would treat that. Okay. So we spent just a long period of time introducing him to different instruments on a one, one-on-one basis, slowly putting them together, had sessions with a group of musicians, grooving in a room, him playing electronics, musicians, vibing off that. Yeah. And him saying, like that, like that, that's interesting, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. And then would you record it and give it to him so he could take it away and like start building it into a track? Um, yeah, we did a little bit of that. And we also gave him like, our Spitfire sounds as well, yeah. and other sample sounds. Cool. So it's a combination of that stuff, and then Hugh would go and orchestrate out stuff that came out of those sessions, and also okay. do straight orchestrations of his tracks. Yeah. And then we'd take those straight or- orchestrations and try to mess them up, and okay. and vice versa. Then he would write like new electronic tracks. Yeah. With us in mind, okay, and the cool. instruments what those might be. So it was a kind of like circular process, and yes. Yeah. It, it would all, all kind of all inform all the time. Things. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So it's been a really yeah, it's been a fun, fun project. This is audio track five by actress and the LCO. turn it into a live thing yeah putting um working on tracks putting flexible set lists together they're yeah. different every time we perform it and darren's like a conductor in the middle and yeah. we're working off click and off his sound and his like triggering tracks to start so he's like yeah. mixing us like live mixing, oh, cool. like triggering us when to start and stop really bringing in his electronics over the top and phasing them out so you're listening out for cues then you're sort of yeah yeah right. So you've got the Barbican show coming up. Yeah. How's it going to be? Is there going to be a stop in the middle? Right, continuous, tracks? continuous so sound. It really flows. Yeah. So the first show we did at the Bar- Barbican was continuous sound. Great. And um, the Moscow show we did was a bit different. Big capacity, standing, people that wanted to dance. Yeah. So cool. So we actually just like played tunes. Yeah. And like the music is written out so it can be any duration. Right. So if like a track's hitting the sweet spot with with the nice. audience it can be extended one of his new tracks I've forgotten the name of it but it's like quite beat driven off so his latest album AZD yeah it's like it? three four minute track but in Moscow we ended up playing it for 12 minutes right nice so he's going down a tree <laughs> just because they wanted to dance yeah yeah so the actress and LCO shows at the Barbican on the 26th of May with Deval Timothy Sylvia Castell and Toxie supporting it should be a cracker Bloody exciting! Is it going to be any different? You've just yeah, new, new, new material from the new album that's coming out with Ninja Tune, right? The album that's coming out with Ninja Tune is material that you recognise from the first Biokin show. Mm. Okay, and we're going to be doing material in addition to that. Oh, brilliant! In terms of the LCO, your name is on so many soundtracks and this kind of thing, but this is the first one that you're like the co-artist with someone like actress, and it's going out on a label as yeah. your creative project it is the first thing that we're putting out with yeah with our name being billed on an equal footing it's really cool and interesting and, and Ninja Tune is not in any way something you would necessarily associate with acoustic instruments or classical it's 
born out of trip-hop in the 90s. Um, so for them it's an interesting venture. They're in safe hands with actress, they know actress, think they've released a lot of his stuff. But um, yeah, I think this is like, like I was saying before, like Warp Records and Industry and all these sort of innovative labels, they might start venturing towards these areas. Yeah, it would be super interesting where it goes and how it would be received. No idea. <laughs> no idea. And we're going to go back to the music making now. Let's see what the deal is here, Rob. So this is like... Arrival point. Arrival point. Yeah. And we just basically built it. Yeah. So... And it's hard off, right? We'll just, we'll just hit that point two thirds in. Yeah. Golden section. Yeah. Run it. End. I love it. And we could just use Get the in. sounds and lie. What, the drums? <laughs> <laughs> this is all documented, Rob. They'll find out. I reckon we could start with this. Yeah. Then the beat. I like your beat, man. It's really good. Sick beat. Yeah. I love the idea of having some of that fat chorus coming in at some point. We could bring that in as like the next next thing. Fun. Wasn't too difficult. Yeah, so yeah, definitely start with the your brilliant pitch thing. Bring in that beat. Chorus. Yeah, bring in some chorus. Let the beat drop out. Yeah. Bring that in. Yeah. And for the last third, like kick in the beat in a massive way. Nice. If you remember back to the beginning, there was lots of different layers. So this is just a few of those, how we've affected them, and then sort of we drop them back into that structure that we just discussed. Oh, got this. I was thinking with this, just boost the shit out of it. Compressing. Just that. Anyways, well, treat how that in a something like that busy? Did it just go mental? There we go. More about chorus. These effects are just in-house Ableton ones, a chorus and an auto filter uh, doing a kind of wobbly thing. Yeah. It's funny isn't it because like electronic artists they are like making music like this but when you have something raw like that to mm. feed into it. Yes. Because that's, that's what makes you a king, right? That's why Aphex is king. It's probably got a fucking hard drive that fat of just like sounds yeah. you're dying for. And it's the same with Darren. It's just like constantly it's got his little yeah. recorder out, walking around, recording shit all the time. Something that has been recorded somewhere like a leaky tap or something. Yeah. Start with that. It's way more interesting instantly yeah. and weird and no one else has got that sound. Just because it's a real organic sound. Yeah. Right? And then you treat it in a weird way and it becomes even more interesting. More yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah it's sort of, well, you know, it's music concrete, isn't it? But you can dance to it. Quite that. It's fucking music concrete. Yeah, what's the rules on swearing in your podcast? Here? I want more swearing in the podcast, so good work so far. All right, man, do you want to eat? Should we do that? Yeah, why not? Uh, we were gonna, yeah, you picked out the hat, chains, the aleatoric hat. Yeah, it's a rich time in London at the moment for young experimental composition and thinking of people like Shiva Fesharecki, C. Haynes. Yeah. 
Chains, um, Mika Levy, Emily Levinose Farouche, Claire M. Singer, Cat Lamb. A lot of these composers, a lot of the natural crossover happens between the kind of more popular music world, the more electronic world, and the classical world. But they're coming from the opposite of what we've spoken about previously, coming yeah. from a classically trained background. And I just it's really exciting commissioning those people because it's the music's um, it's not bogged down in like the canon of like old music. This is Emily Levinez Farouche's Tulsi. Apologies for the crass mixing of these amazing composers. This is Shiva Fesharecki's O. Another ham-fisted mix, sorry. This is Claire M. Singer, another name that Rob mentioned just there, a track called Solus from an album of the same name. They are having a new piece played at our prom. Brill. Which was announced recently, Late Night Prom. What's the date of that? Do you know? 23rd of July. Lovely. And this is Nocturning by Chains, or C. Haynes. This is taken from their very recently released album, The King. It's also the piece that the LCO will be playing for their Late Night Prom, whatever kind of form that comes in. So Daphne Oram, Shiva Fesharaki, Delia Derbyshire. So a big BBC radiophonic thing that the BBC's Brilliant. never done at the proms before. Amazing. And C. Uh, Haynes. Mate, good. So yeah, it, as I say, it's an exciting time and I've discovered so much amazing stuff through the stuff that you program through the LCO. Oh, thanks. Um, yeah, you just sort of always one step ahead um, on the pulse, for sure. Yeah. Um, film composers as well. I work with somebody called Anne Nicotin, who writes really great film music. What is it? Animal? American Animals? Yeah, I think the... she was out with... It was really nice for that... Um, where was Dan? Toronto? No, he went to... Uh, Sundance. Sundance, yeah. Yeah, so out in Sundance is him and Nicotin, Paul Saunderson. Really? Like one other person, and they're all on a panel, and would 
recorded all of the films that <laughs> with the each LCO. one of them that were being shown at Sundance. <laughs> and it was just really nice yeah. because they're all like really strong, amazing schools. Yeah. Oh, that's wicked. It, and all like super distinct characters. That's an amazing sign of like the LCO yeah, infiltration it, it of it was the nice. film world. Yeah, it made me smile. Yeah. It really made me smile. That is but really it, funny. It, but still like super diverse sounding. An Anne Nicotin track from her American Animals score called Let's Go. Um, we didn't really talk too much about Johnny Greenwood earlier. <laughs> Let's just visit him briefly. Yeah, Johnny Greenwood. Um, London Contemporary Orchestra have been really uh, privileged to have him as a as a collaborator and somebody to work with and we've played his music from our very first year yeah luckily he came to one of our concerts and liked what he heard and okay. the first film school we played on with him was The Master which is the Paul Thomas Anderson movie and yeah it's, we've done more with him and it's grown mm. and um, most recently this Lynn Ramsey film and its soundtrack which is absolute winner all killer that yeah it's it's an incredible yeah incredible soundtrack and that was fast work was it slamming out this incredible visceral visceral is the word string yeah. stuff but yeah it was a great day like yeah getting plectrums on strings <laughs> him playing the guitar yeah paquet shakers they're like a big sugar a dried sugar snap okay they go chuk, chuk, well, yeah, there's that cue. So can you hear uh, the one that goes... Sandy's necklace. Yeah. And it's got the, the chops. So that's like... It's got the shaker. That's like shaker. Yeah. I che- mean, cello shaker, then... Going to be fading that track right in. Whack in the... Yeah. Whack in the cello with it. It's so good. Oh, what? so you've got it in hand and you're hitting... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the writing's insane. Yeah, and the, and the electronic-only stuff is next level. I shared that, uh, so I shared that link to tree synthesizers, which is like the only kind of non-visceral, non-aggressive uh, cue in the whole film, and it comes at like this really poignant moment. I won't say what it is, but like I welled up a little bit. first came to an LCO show with the Johnny Greenwood at the Wapping Power Station. It was a bit of a revelation coming along to that gig because uh, I wasn't really drawn to a lot of things that were happening in contemporary music particularly and coming to that sort of walked into this kind of really cool space, amazing piece of music. I think it was actually Ed Finnis, yeah. uh, brother, sister pieces. Yeah. And then 
sort of walked into that and it's like this young group of musicians like nailing it and go through into this other space and all these different things were happening like there was a phone app that people were asked yeah, to download yeah, and interact and like yeah. had, all these pings were going yeah, on around you and the programming was really interesting there was some Bach and some Zanakis and then Johnny was there yeah. playing that's a great thing if you when you when you do perform in different spaces like that and and you think about how the programming might work you just take the dryness out of the the way it feels so yeah we were playing like yeah Purcell and Zanarchus and other composers that you might associate with you know pretty dry academic yeah. experience but it's not it's that music's lush and it's mm. incredible and an influence on Johnny and loved by all of our musicians yeah so. yeah I think it's in a way more respectful to that music um giving it an audience that is engaged through the location like the venue the way it's all presented it's just a much healthier interaction with that music and actually i i switched on more to that stuff through the lco shows than through you know whatever other routes I yeah have. no that's cool i mean it goes back uh, yeah yeah we could go we could talk forever about like classical music and how it's become a bit stale but I mean ultimately you know back in the day like it was the pop music at the time right yeah and and it's not anymore mm. but but it kind of is actually the new stuff that's being written it's just like it's like yeah. music like any other and by by putting the label contemporary classical on it you've, you've already lost like half of your potential audience yeah. but if it's just like here's a piece of music that's being played as part of the show in this place that's really interesting for you to come to with an artist that you really respect. Yeah. It's just like an exciting music experience like mm. any other. Back to the music. I think there might be a cool little... You like that? There's a little sort of rhythmic-y loop. I like that. Do you like that? What happens if you thin out the sound? Yeah, nice. That's cool. Alright, getting somewhere. Just want to see what this sounds like. Yes. That's where I was going. Spectrum stuff, yeah, maybe that's the thing that can come in when the beat drops. Great. Hang on. Let's hear just all of that. Should we try and get some, should we record some like percussive things off the viola and then fuck with them and then? Yeah, let's get our sounds and then we can play them here, right? Yeah. <laughs> as exciting as all of that is, let's just zoom along and hear that condensed into a short time from raw sound to affected drum sound. Kick. That's cute. Yeah. Keep that, babe. Next. 
There we go. Yes. That's yeah, it. We're there. Schnurr. Sweet. Right. Should I get him onto here? Yes, please. I think at the beginning we're just going to have like some swagger. Like just a simple. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so much faster. I can feel it. I can feel the album coming. <laughs> it's great, this Lord. Do you want to just like do a do pass? Do the simple one. Yeah. yeah. Now, as this podcast episode is already an epic, we're just going to jump ahead to the completed track. So where we got up to here uh, hopefully gives you a sense of all the bits and pieces that went into making this nasty little tune. We only did a couple of things after this anyways, which was like tidying up the beat, repeating a few sections and tweaking a few sounds, including the viola with the guitar pick. So here you go. Check it out.
podcast done. Podcast done. Hey, thank you for listening, guys, all the way through to the end. Our musical accompaniment for this outro is Danny Mulhern's unsettling yet soothing track In the Hands of Strangers. It's been a total pleasure to work with Rob. I'm sure you'll agree he's a really talented guy and a very important voice in the world of modern music. So thanks, Rob, for giving up your time and being guest number four on Excuse the Mess. You can keep up with Rob on Twitter and Instagram at Rob Ames Conduct. And if you like what you heard in this episode, then I would highly recommend getting along to an LCO show and experiencing the live vibes. Just a reminder, there's the Actress Show at the Barbican on the 26th of May, their Late Night Prom on the 23rd of July, and the Big Orchestral Show at the Barbican on the 31st of October. As always, Red Dog Music kindly offer a 5% discount if you use the discount code Excuse the Mess, all one word, all lowercase, at their online checkout. Thanks ever so much for checking out Excuse the Mess. Catch you next time. Take care. Play us out, Danny. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Okay, here's the situation. Our daughter Mia is leaving for her first sleepover. We have friends coming to stay, and we just got a puppy. So I go on Instacart and solve everything in one order from Kohl's. Fun PJs for Mia. Oh, new bedding for the guest room. And a vacuum cleaner that actually picks up pet hair. All delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. With Kohl's on Instacart, there's no such we can't fix. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum order. Additional terms apply. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. 
Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 